Today we're going to start our Christmas sermon series. Uh, the sermon series is titled Characters, The Characters of Christmas. Now the idea of this series does come from the title of a book, uh, the same name, uh, the, the Characters of Christmas by Daniel Darling. Uh, he takes an unlikely character and just someone that's connected to the Christmas story and just kind of walks through their connection to Jesus and the Christmas story. Uh, we're not going to go through every one that's covered in the book. I've, and I've only started reading it, but what I have read has been very insightful and very encouraging. And so I thought I would share it in case... Uh, I know many of you like to read something kind of leading up to Christmas. This may be one you want to check out because what I've read so far has been, uh, has been excellent. So The Characters of Christmas by Daniel Darling. Now to our sermon for today. I love watching the sunrise, especially outdoors watching the sunrise. Sitting in the darkness and off in the distance on the horizon, you see the faintest glow of sunbeams as they start to touch the world around you. And the darkness starts to shrink. The faint outlines of things around you start to come into view and eventually the whole world around you comes into clear view. Now many of you have likely heard and many of you may have used the statement, it's always darkest before dawn. And that is often meant as an encouragement when someone is going through a really hard season, that statement, it's always darkest before dawn, is kind of meant as an encouragement of hold on just a little longer. Because it may seem really dark right now, but it's about to get better, right? It, it's going, the sun's going to shine again in this moment. It may not feel that way, but it's going to get better. Dawn is when sunlight finally hits and starts to show up again, but before that, there has been no sunlight and, and hasn't been for quite some time. Now, in the biblical narrative, the biblical story that we are uh, looking at for the Christmas season, this time in the nation of Israel is a time of darkness, and in one sense, in some senses, this is also a time of darkness for the character that we are going to be looking at in today's text. We're going to be looking at Zechariah. The thing for us to remember is that it's in moments of darkness, moments of heartache, where we can start to wonder is it ever going to be light again? Are things ever going to get better? Or is it always going to be like this? Is, is it always going to feel this oppressive? Is it always going to be dark? And so what an encouragement God's Word has for us in the story of Zechariah and in the Christmas narrative as a whole. Turn with me to Luke 1. Our sermon is titled, Hope for the doubters. 
Hope for the doubters. Luke 1, starting in verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of the incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Because your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, He could not speak to them, and then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. Skipping over to verse 57 and 58. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her His great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. And then down to verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John, and they were all amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for the Christmas season. Help us settle our hearts and minds and focus on the hope that we have because of Jesus. 
Open our minds to the truth that is given to us today in your word. Help us believe it and help us respond accordingly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So what I want us to do is just to kind of walk through this story of Zechariah. Uh, and I want to just kind of point out some of the things of note in this narrative, in this biblical story. Uh, and then we'll see the connection to us and um, something for us to consider this Christmas season. And truly for us to consider every day. So the first thing that we're going to see in this story is a faithful priest. We have a faithful priest that we're introduced to in these first few verses of Luke's gospel. So I'm going to read verse 5 through 9 again and we'll point out a few details for us to, to keep in mind as we're looking at this story. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So a faithful priest, a faithful family, truly, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, but a faithful priest were introduced, and in these first few verses, we have an introduction to the kind of setting and everything that is going on. Now, to us, we may not uh, think much about these first words, but to the first century reader and listener, it would set the mood. In the days of King Herod of Judea. So before we get to Zechariah, we're told, okay, this story that you're about to be introduced to was in the days of King Herod. This was a time of darkness. Darkness for the nation of Israel. So when the first century reader reads or hears in the days of King Herod... They're reminded the people of God were oppressed by Rome. And a cruel puppet king is in place to do the bidding of Rome. Herod was cruel. He was a cruel leader. We won't get to him as we go through this series. If you get the book and read Daniel Darling's book, The Characters of Christmas, he calls Herod the monster of Christmas. He was a cruel leader. And so this sets the mood. Years of praying for a deliverer. Generation upon generation upon generation praying for the deliverer. And silence. No deliverer. It is a time of darkness. And then we're also introduced now to a priest and his wife. And we see that this is a time of darkness for this family in some ways. A faithful priest 
and his wife, who is a faithful woman of God. And they are elderly and have no children. And if you've struggled with infertility or know people, close to people who've struggled with infertility, you know the heartache. You know how hard and how heartbreaking that is. And in the first century, for most cultures, but in Jewish culture, that carried with it even more weight. Because it carried with it the stigma, it carried with it the idea of they must have done something to offend their God. Years of praying for a child and years of that prayer not being answered. And finally coming to the reality of this will not happen for us. It was a time of darkness in one sense for this family. However, they remained faithful Faithful to their God. And that's a challenge in the heartaches, right? When, when the world that is broken crushes us, it can be tempting to think, like, I don't even know if it's worth trying anymore. But they remained faithful. The text here describes them as righteous and blameless according to the law. And according to the customs and the commands and requirements of the Lord, they were righteous and blameless. And so with this faithful priest, we are introduced to the scene that's about to take place. Zechariah is one of about 8,000 priests at this time in the area. And they would be divided up into divisions of about 300 different priests and in order to ensure that the work was done uh, they would be selected and they would come and serve in one week increments two times in the year a division would come and serve at the temple two different weeks in the year and every single day they would cast lots to decide which priests were going to go in and serve which functions for the acts of worship, for the sacrifices, for the offerings, for the burning of the incense. They would cast lots and determine this is the priest that is supposed to go in and serve at this time. And if you were selected to serve in the temple, you served once in your lifetime. This was the highlight of your ministry. Now you still served in other capacities, but serving in the temple as Zechariah is going to do in this scene, you would serve one time in your life. And so, this faithful priest, his division is up, he goes to Jerusalem to serve, and he is chosen by lot. So essentially, we would look at it as almost like flipping a coin or drawing straws. But it's important that we know that's not by chance. God is orchestrating things for His purpose. God is orchestrating things for His purposes for Zechariah and for 
the nation. And so that leads us to the next part of this scene. And we have a beautiful promise, a message from the Lord. A beautiful promise is given. Verses 10 through 17. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. A beautiful promise, a beautiful message is given to this faithful priest. An angel appears as he is in the temple Lighting the incense. Now the purpose of this is that it mentions that the people, the assembly was outside praying to God. And the purpose of the lighting of the incense is that as the prayers of the people of God go up to God, that the incense goes up as this beautiful aroma wrapping around the prayers of the people and presented to the Lord. And so as he is fulfilling this task and the people are all praying, an angel appears standing at the right of the altar of incense. And Zechariah, like everyone else in Scripture who sees an angel of the Lord, is terrified. And the angel tells him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. He has a message for Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, I said the, the Lord is orchestrating all of these things. Zechariah's name is important in the story. Part of all of what the Lord is orchestrating, Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. In a time of darkness, in a time where it feels like We've been forgotten. A priest whose name is the Lord remembers receives a message from the Lord. And that message is essentially that the Lord has remembered his people. The Lord has remembered his promise. And the angel tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son but before that, he says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, some assume because it, the next line says you're going to have a son, your wife is going to bear you a son, assume that the prayer must have been a prayer for a child. And it likely included some of that in this story. But it's much more than that. 
Because the promise just isn't about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth having a son, but it's what this child is going to do. So the prayer was likely a prayer for Israel's redemption. It was likely uh, your prayer for the promised Messiah, your prayer for the Savior who's going to come and set everything right again, has been heard. And he says, you're going to have a child. And he goes on to explain the role of this child, how important this child is. So it's not only that you're going to have joy and delight because you, after years and years of hoping and begging for a child, to finally resign yourself to the reality that that's not going to happen and then miraculously somehow this is going to happen, not only do we have that, but... Your child has a really important function, and he goes on to explain that. You're going to have joy and delight, and people are going to rejoice at his birth. However, this child is going to be the one that gets the people of God ready for their Messiah. This child is going to grow up faithfully serving the Lord and prepare His people for the Lord when the Lord shows up. Now, it's been over 400 years since the last recorded prophecy was given to the people of God in the Old Testament. And that is from the book of Malachi. Now, Malachi is uh, a contemporary of Nehemiah. We spent a quarter in the book of Nehemiah. And Malachi was a prophet of God during that time period. And Malachi speaks the closing prophecy of the Old Testament to God's people. And that prophecy we read in Malachi 4 is a promise to one day send the Savior. Malachi 4 Verse 1, for look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. Skipping down to verse 5. Look, I am going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then 400 years of silence. So the last promise of the Old Testament is one day the Lord is going to come again. One day the Lord is going to come for His people. And before He does, He's going to send someone to prepare the people for the Lord. And 400 years of silence. And finally another messenger has come speaking to this faithful priest, and he picks up with the same message from Malachi. 
the closing words from Malachi is before the day of the Lord comes. I'm going to send someone to prepare the people for the Lord. And the messenger that speaks to Zechariah says, Your son is going to be that forerunner to the Messiah. Your son is, is, has a very specific purpose to get the people ready. What a beautiful promise. In the darkness for the nation, in the darkness for Zechariah, the angel says, the sun's about to shine again. The Lord is coming for His people and your child is going to get them ready for that day. A beautiful promise is given. And that takes us to Zechariah's response. Now remember, Zechariah is a faithful, faithful man of God. And yet his response that we're going to see is a response of doubt. Verse 18, How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Darkness, heartaches, circumstances that seem so bleak can lead to doubt, even for the faithful. See, Zechariah knew the God that he served, and he knew the stories of God. He was well acquainted with God's Word. He was well acquainted with God's promises. He knew stories of God doing the same thing in the life of Abraham and Sarah and others. God working miraculously to produce life where there was no life before. But in the circumstances, in the heartache, in the darkness, Zechariah responds with doubt. It just seems too bleak for anything to change. Yes, I know the Lord. But how can I know this is going to actually happen? I'm too old. My wife's too old. I just don't see how this circumstance could change. A faithful priest who still has doubts. And we have days like that too. We know our God. We know the stories of God. We've seen how faithful He is to us. We see this, how faithful He has always been to His people. But sometimes our circumstances leave us to where we can't help but doubt, no matter what promises we have. And so that takes us to the next scene of this story, which is a sign is going to be given to Zechariah. In verse 19 through 22, the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he had stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. 
Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. So Zechariah asked the angel, asked Gabriel, well, how could I know that this is going to happen? With doubt is what's driving that. He doesn't believe that it could happen. And Gabriel gives him a sign to help him know. He starts by saying, I stand in the presence of God Almighty who sent me to tell you this good news. Now, that wasn't just a put you in your place. But it was a, a clarifier for Zechariah of where the authority of this message comes from. God himself sent me to tell you this. And if the Lord has, has given you this promise, you can be sure of it. But you didn't believe, Zechariah. And since you didn't believe, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a reminder that's going to help you remember and help you know that this will take place. And I do think it's important that we see this as a sign and not just as a punishment. And yes, it is a consequence. He tells him, because you did not believe the message that the Lord sent me to give you, this is going to happen to you. You will not be able to speak. But it's not just a punishment. Like, well, I'll show you. It was a reminder day in and day out of the promise that was given. And he tells them, this is going to be the case. You are not going to speak until this takes place. Until all of this is fulfilled, just as I have told you. So, again, this is going to happen. You are going to have a child, regardless of your circumstance. And that child is going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. And so it means at least ten months of silence for Zechariah. At least. We don't know how long it took. It was soon thereafter that Elizabeth is going to conceive. But at least ten, ten months of silence is going to be a daily reminder to him. This is what the Lord has promised you. And this is what the Lord is going to fulfill for you and for the nation. A sign was given to remind Zechariah. Daniel Darling, from his book, The Characters of Christmas, says this, Sometimes God has to quiet us so that we can hear Him. Sometimes we have to be still so that we can see Him move. Sometimes our words and our busyness get in the way of our faith. They form a cynical shell around our hearts. Now, Zechariah... The people have already start to wonder, what's going on? It says that, you know, he's stayed in there so long that the people start to question, what's, what's happening? Why is it taking him so long? It doesn't ever take this long for the incense to be lit and for the priest to come back out. And so the people outside know something has happened. And then when he comes out, they know for a fact, oh... He's seen something. 
God has spoken to him because Zechariah can no longer speak. He went in able to speak and he comes out speechless and making signs to them to try to explain the message that he's been given. And the people realize he must have seen a vision. God's told him something. And what a joy for the people of God who felt like there's been nothing but silence for 400 plus years. God spoke to this faithful priest. And for over 10 months, or at least 10 months, Zechariah is reminded day in and day out. And the people of God who were close to Zechariah were reminded day in and day out that God was visiting His people again. The sun was going to shine again. The Lord is coming. And that takes us to the last part of this story. And we're going to see a faithful God. A faithful God. Verse 23 and 24. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. Skipping over to verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her His great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. And down to verse 63 and 64, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they were all amazed. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Isn't that amazing that Zechariah has this heart of doubt and God didn't cast him off? God didn't say to Gabriel, you know what, tell him we'll find someone else. We'll come back another time and see if our people will have the right response. No, God was faithful to His Word. He's always faithful. He always has been and always will be faithful. And so, Zechariah goes home and in the coming days... Elderly, righteous Elizabeth conceives a child. And fast forward ten months, ten months of silence for Zechariah, of being reminded every day, God's moving again. Fast forward those ten months and she gives birth to a son. Just as the Lord had told Zechariah. And the people in the town who knew it celebrated and rejoiced with Zechariah and Elizabeth just as the Lord had told him. And then, fast forward eight days, when they're going to circumcise the child and name him, which was the custom for Jews at this time, was on the eighth day, the male children would be circumcised and named. 
And Elizabeth says, we're going to name him John. Meaning Zechariah has been able to communicate all of this message to her over these ten months. But the people say, are you sure? Don't you want to name him after the father? You should name him after Zechariah. Nobody in your family's even named John. And Zechariah says, give me something to write with. And he writes out, his name is John. He will be called John. And just as the Lord had told him, when all of these things are fulfilled, then you'll be able to speak again. And so when he names the child John, his tongue is set free. He's able to speak. And what does he speak? He speaks praising God for how faithful he has been. Because God is a faithful God. And he wasn't just faithful to send Zechariah and Elizabeth a child. He was faithful in that child growing up and being a faithful servant of the Lord. And he was faithful in sending another child, the actual promised Messiah, his own son, who was going to right the wrongs of the world. He was faithful in having John prepare the way for Jesus Christ. God is a faithful God. And that's good news for us, church. Zechariah was a faithful man of God, but the circumstances had left him doubting Doubting the word of the Lord, doubting the promises of God, and we can know that feeling. God's word is full of promises for his people today. We have promises like God will never leave us or forsake us, and yet there are times where we feel all alone. We have promises that God loves us, and yet sometimes we feel completely unlovable and unloved. We have promises that He works all things together for our good, for those who believe. And yet, sometimes, circumstances are so dark, we think, I don't see how that could be the case. We have promises that Jesus is going to come again and turn the world right side up. We have promises that the Lord is going to wipe away every one of the last tears. But, even for the faithful, when things don't turn out as expected, when we've waited longer than we wanted, when the heartaches are more than we can bear and the darkness seems to be pressing in all around, we find ourselves doubting. But even in those doubts, God remains faithful, church, Even to doubters like us, God remains faithful. The story of Zechariah reminds us of this. The story of Christmas and the Son of God who came to rescue us reminds us of the faithfulness of our God. So church, we don't have to doubt. We can hold on to hope because we have a faithful God who has given us hope. And today, His Word holds out that hope for us. The sun is going to shine again. Let's pray.
God, we thank you for how faithful you are. We thank you that you don't cast us out when things are sometimes hard to believe and we have doubts. We thank you that you sent your son for us and we thank you for the promise that your son is going to come again one day. Help us believe. Help us hold on to hope and help us trust you through whatever we face. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.